Welcome to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. Morning and welcome to the Flatline. I'm your host, Rick Hughes. And for the next few minutes, I would like to ask you to please stay with me. As usual, it's going to be a time of motivation, inspiration, education, all done without any type of manipulation, which means if you're a first-time listener that we don't ask for money. We're not soliciting funds. We're not selling anything. We're not going to ask you to join up, fess it up, give it up. We're just going to ask you, listen up, ask you to listen up. Please listen for the next few minutes as I attempt to verify and identify God's plan for your life, and not only for your life, but for this nation. And if you're willing, you can orient and adjust to the plan. That's up to you. But my my job is to be accurate, to get it correct, not to mislead you, not to give you a false hope, not to give you some human speculation, but to give you divine revelation from the only place that I know to get it, the canon of Scripture called the Bible. It is a show about the Bible, yes, but... No ranting, no no raving, ranting, raving, jumping up and down, none of that. Just to give you the information, you must make the decision. You are responsible for your life. No one can change anyone else but themselves. And so if we give you the information, then it's between you and God. You have an opportunity. He gives you a hearing. And then you make the choice of what you want to believe. We do live in a magnificent country. I know you believe that. We live in the United States of America, the greatest nation, I believe, in the history of the world. And there have been some great nations. But here we are in America in the year 2017. And it is amazing that we are here at this point in time. When I was growing up, I thought it was a million years away to be 2017. Maybe you did too. Maybe you never thought you'd live to see 2017 and yet here we are we're living in this great country and we're going through some turmoil some times we've just been through a contentious election where we've elected a new president and the new president has been sworn in uh, by the electoral college by the time you listen to this and it won't be long before he'll take the oath of office in january and assume command as the commander-in-chief of the united states of america But, unfortunately, no one man can change the course of history. The Bible warns us about that in many various places. And in spite of the fact of how much you may or may not like our new president, the Bible says, Thus saith the Lord, being cursed is the person who puts his confidence in man and makes the sin nature his strength, so that his heart turns away from the Lord, for he should be like a tumbleweed in the desert." This is clear that no one man can change the course of history in this country. In spite of how much one man may want to make us great, it really depends on you and your attitude and your spiritual life. And so the Bible clearly says in Jeremiah 17, 7, Blessed or happiness belongs to the man who trusteth in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. So Jeremiah 17, 5 You're cursed if you put your trust in a man. And Jeremiah 17, 7, you're blessed if you put your trust in God. The only thing that is going to guarantee that we have a successful future, that our children and our grandchildren grow up in a free nation, and that they have a wonderful opportunity to learn God's word and advance in God's plan in their life, 
It depends on you, you and your spiritual life, you and your advance spiritually. Because as goes you, so goes the nation. No nation survives long without having a spiritual crisis. And that's especially true of a client nation like the United States of America. And there is, by the way, no such thing as a Christian nation. Never has been, never will be. There are Christian people, but nations cannot be Christian. Only the people within the nation. And so the power of Christianity is in you. It's not in a politic. It's not visible. It's spiritual and invisible. And the Christian way of life operates within the protocol plan of God for the church. And you are a member of the church. The influence of your life, the influence of the invisible, mature believer is the only way this nation will ever bring blessing to its citizens. You must execute the plan of God. You must become a member of the pivot that will sustain the future of this country. You must grow to maturity in your life and maintain the guard as an invisible hero. That's what God is looking for. It's my prayer that our current president, who has been elected, will allow us to do that, that he'll give us the freedom and the opportunity to teach God's word and to advance God's word across not only this nation, but across the world. You know, the term cancer is a frightening term, a frightening word. Many people have heard a doctor tell them their worst fears, you know, you have cancer. And that's a terrible thing to hear. But that's not always a death sentence. It's always a terrible disease, and it's always horrible to have to endure it and to try to conquer it. But this disease may be external or even internal. But in order to save the patient, the the disease or the cancer has to be excised or removed. And then often follow-up treatments of sometimes radiation, sometimes chemo, they may also be required. And you know, people often go years without even knowing that there's a cancer growing inside of them. They may think the reoccurring pain is simply a small inconvenience and ignore the early warning signs, who knows. But cancer is not a respecter of people or age, both young and old get it, and both die without early detection. So in this brief message today, what I would like to do is I would like to identify three slow-moving trends like cancer that unless they are detected early will change America forever. We've elected a new man as president and and in our great nation and assuming the swearing went in and is going on as supposed to and that he'll be instituted into office, we're hoping that he'll be like a doctor and he'll help cut out some of those infected parts of our country and help restore health to a weakened nation. Only time will tell that. But the first slow-moving national cancer, using that as a metaphor, the first slow-moving national cancer is humanism. Humanism. You may say, what is humanism? You've heard the term. It's a system of thinking that attaches importance to the human rather than the divine. And it always seeks rational ways to solve human problems and disregards divine solutions. Now that's a shame because human solutions are normally no solutions. 
and divine solutions are the only solutions. There's an organization called the American Humanist Association. They advocate progressive values and equality for humanist, atheist, freethinkers. That's kind of what's going on today, this progressive idea of multiculturalism and diversity, and we're supposed to treat everybody alike, regardless of what they believe or don't believe, and, and treat everybody the same way, and, uh, and unless, of course, you're a Christian, then can't treat you like that. Got to tell you to sit down and shut up most of the time. Uh, I, I'm not here to comment on political things, but I noticed the other day that a that a football coach took a took a knee during a prayer that some of his team prayed. He didn't pray it; he just knelt down, and uh, he was uh, censored for that for doing that at his school. It's amazing what's going on in this country. So these humanists, these free thinkers, these progressive people, they they pursue these values and they adhere to this progressive philosophy of life without any theism. You know, theism, that's a belief in the existence of a God, especially a belief in one God as creator of the universe, intervening in it and sustaining a personal relationship to his creatures. They don't believe that. They don't believe that at all. They, they don't believe anything about God or anything about the gospel. They maintain ability and responsibility to lead ethical lives of personal fulfillment that aspire to the greater good of humanity but have nothing to do with God, want nothing to do with God, and don't want you talking about God. For the most part, a humanist will reject any claim that the Bible is the Word of God. They believe uh, the Bible, most of them believe the Bible was written by ignorant men, superstitious men, who lived in unenlightened and cruel times in their age, and they firmly believe the Bible is full of errors and harmful teachings. So by and large, they would think, this humanist would think, you are wasting your time going to church or giving money to your church or to your favorite mission. Now, I'm not a college professor, and this is not a class on American politics, but I think you and I can identify one flaw in the thinking of the humanist. Now, that flaw is the inability to recognize that man has an old sin nature. Thinking that man can solve men's problem is crazy. Romans 3.10 says there is none righteous, no, not even one. There is none who understand. There is none who seek after God. They have all turned aside. They have come together and become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. In Psalm 14, 1 through 3, the Bible says, The fool says in his heart, there's no God. They are corrupt, and they do abominable deeds, and there is none who does good. In Romans 5, 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death has passed upon all men, because all have sinned. Beginning with Adam, every man that's ever been born received an Adamic nature, a sinful nature. Sinful nature, you have one, even your grandmother has one, your aunt has one. Now you may think, I've never seen my grandmother sin, but I promise you, she sins. We all have an old sin nature. That old sin nature is what we receive from Adam, 
And that old sin nature is what gives us our first death, spiritual death. Because when we're born into this world, Adam's original sin is imputed to us, and we are born spiritually dead. And thus, the need to be born again, not physically, but spiritually. And Jesus taught this to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, where he said, I'm surprised you don't already know this, Nicodemus. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, so that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Being born again, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away and all things become new. You try to take a man that is not born again, a man that only has an Adamic sin nature, the old sin nature, and let him be in charge and control things, and you think it's going to go good for you? You think he's going to be fair and he's going to be just? You've lost your mind. You're not thinking clearly. Even if you put a man in charge who's a Christian, he can do some crazy things if he lets his old sin nature take control of him. Just look at Saul in the Bible, King Saul, who God replaced with David. No one man is the answer to how things should go in a nation, in a country. It's only the people within that country that control the destiny of that country. And the only reason God would spare us in the future is that he looks at you and he sees you and he sees you are faithful. He sees you are part of the pivot and he sees you with an invisible impact that sustains this nation. And even if the nation were to go down, there's the promise that he would take you through and bring you to the other side because God always delivers a remnant of his people, always does that. So don't put your hope in man. Don't get your trust in man. And that's what the humanist does. He thinks that there's a man smart enough, brilliant enough, that he has enough uh, acumen to run the show and treat everybody fairly and make sure everybody gets the same deal. Not going to happen. Didn't happen in Russia. Didn't happen in Cuba. Not going to happen here. You know, there's a second cancer within our nation. It's a silent killer. It's slowly destroying us, and it's called socialism. Socialism is an accepted philosophy in American culture today. And like me, you probably want to know, what is socialism? What's a socialist? Well, back in 2014, a survey by the Reason Corporation released a report saying that 42% of the millennials, you know, those people that were born and reaching adulthood around the year 2000, 42% of those people preferred socialism over capitalism, which is our current type of government. We're a capitalistic nation. But ironically, only 16% could accurately define what socialism is. Simply put, the socialist wants to overthrow the current system of government in this country and introduce a new government through revolution if necessary. They don't see any problem with that. They want to introduce a new political, a new economic system, and they promise to give freedom for all people and to abolish the, quote, male supremacy and class society in favor of a new socialist system committed to international solidarity and peace. They view this new socialist system as 
the answer to all bigotry and all discrimination. And essentially, it's the new socialist government controlling businesses, controlling homes, schools, and any other part of life that you can imagine. That's what socialism is. Cuba's been ruled by a socialist government for years. And so has Russia and many other nation states. And the sad thing is those who live under these socialist rules want out. They want out at all cost. Many flee to America, the land of freedom and the land of opportunity. And yet in this country, there are those who want exactly the same type of lifestyle. Many are progressive politicians even who make ridiculous claims and tout the fact that they are socialists. They make ridiculous claims about giving free everything to everybody if they're elected. Free medical care, free college, free this, free that, but they don't tell you who's going to have to pay for that. So they just want to be elected. Well, it's no wonder that so many young people like the idea of it's free. As long as you're willing to let the socialist order do all the decision-making for you. This is just a type of slavery. This is not where you have a choice. This is where the government decides what you will or will not do or where you will or will not live. And that's socialism. That's been an attack on this country for years. An attack other nations see us, they're jealous of us. And Satan, I can assure you, uses this as a weapon against us every day. You see, we are a client nation for God. We disseminate God's word around the world. We send out missionaries throughout the world. We are a haven for the Jew. We guard doctrine here in this country and teach God's word here in this country. Many fine, wonderful churches teach the word of God consistently. Satan does not like that. And so his ultimate objective is to destroy that impact of Christianity this nation projects to the world, to remove us as a client nation for God. And uh, he's doing a pretty good job so far because most of us are too dumb to realize what's going on. Most people just don't care. A lot of the people that I talk to are disconcerned with what they're going to do this weekend or they're just concerned about uh, the next paycheck. They're just concerned about a lot of different things. But they put no connection between the spiritual and the physical. They don't see how the spiritual can add to the physical part of life. Thus, many are unbelievers. Many are believers. But they're oblivious to what's going on except what's going on in their world, on their social media page and what's happening on their phone or their tablet, that's where they're concerned with. And Satan is taking advantage of that ideology and like a frog sitting in a pot of water, we're slowly, slowly boiling until we're going to be cooked before long. Oh, but I know we elected a new man and he's going to solve all the problems and I'm going to pray that he does. I'm going to pray that he makes the right decisions. I'm going to pray that God will use him to sustain our country and give us more time. But I know he's not the answer. You are the answer. You are the hope of this nation. As goes your spiritual life, so goes the future of this country. Cuba, ruled by socialist government. Russia, ruled by socialist government. And here in this country, we got those who want exactly the same type of lifestyle. 
another silent killer in American freedom values, another cancer that we face every day, is something you might not be aware of, but it's something that I'm well aware of. My pastor's been teaching on it a lot lately. It's called internationalism. Internationalism, with all its leanings towards multiculturalism, diversity, coupled with tolerance for all. American politics have been pushing us towards internationalism for quite some time now. I assure you, God did not design us to be an international nation. God did not do that. I believe our mighty God established the concept of nationalism, not internationalism. And I think all of that started in Genesis chapter 11, where we have the episode of the Tower of Babel, the episode that you can read for yourself and study for yourself. Here's part of it. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. Well, this is exactly what the internationalist wants. He wants us all on the same page financially. He wants us all on the same page linguistically. They want us all under one rule, one government. Every day you see a new attempt to place the freedoms of America under the United Nations or under some other nation so that we no longer have autonomy. The whole earth had one language and one speech. I wonder, do, do you think that would be a good thing? You think if everybody spoke the same language and we all looked alike, that that would be a good thing? Notice what God did in Genesis eleven seven. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. And the Bible says the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all of the earth. Satan's prime strategy has always been to eliminate God's client nations. These nations in history have been used by God to represent him at different periods. And as I told you, today America is a client nation to God. And as such, we represent his interests to the world. As missionaries and distributors of his word to all the continents, it's amazing to see. I recently, one of my books that we've written, we had a missionary translate that book into Chinese. I'm so happy about that. We have now introduced a thousand of those books into China. And, uh, of course, they're always free. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity that we have missionaries, even in China, around the world. They all come out of this nation. That's what Satan doesn't want. He doesn't want missionaries in China. He doesn't want missionaries in any part of the world coming from this country. His strategy has always been to shut that down. But God has ordained the concept of nationalism, not internationalism, nationalism in the human race. And the reason that he did it is to protect us from self-destruction. Listen to Acts 17, 24 through 27. The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, he does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life, breath, and all things. And he made from one man every nation of mankind, to live all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times 
and the boundaries of their habitation, that they would seek God if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he's not far from each of us. What did this say? He made from one man each nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitations. Who do you think put Africa there? Who do you think put America here? Who do you think put South America there? Who do you think put Australia there? These are all established by God. And it's for a reason. We are not all to be one people. We are to be separate. We are to be autonomous. We are to be nationalistic. In the future, we have to recognize that not one man can deliver us from ourselves. With half the country in ecstatics over this election and half the country in emotional revolt, there's no easy road for peace and tranquility within our borders in the future. And the enemy, Satan, will continue to fuel the fires of intolerance and hatred. You can count on that. The answer is seen in the confidence we have as believers in God's plan for us and for our nation. My very own pastor has been teaching Mark 11 where our Lord told his disciples these words, have faith in God. And he reminded them in Mark 11 that prayer can move immovable objects. Your prayer for this nation and for our new leader, as well as the road we take to maintain our independence from internationalism, from socialism, from humanism, it's critical. Please pray for America. Please pray for our future. The Bible clearly says in 2 Chronicles 7.14, a verse that we can make application for us today, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. There is no doubt America needs healing. There is no doubt we are in serious trouble today. And the divisiveness, the hatred, the intolerance. It's funny, the intolerant people are the ones that have been yelling the loudest that we should be tolerant. However, things have changed. We need you to pray. Pray as never before for our new president, for our future, for our country, for your children, for your grandchildren. Our very future depends on it. I'm trusting that you're listening, you're paying attention, and you will pray. Until next week, this is your host, Rick Hughes, saying thank you, thank you for being with me on The Flatline today. Thank you for listening to The Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, please write to him at P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama, 35054, or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.